Hi everyone, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Mace. Hi, I'm Brody. And we're three researchers from a group of researchers looking at functional disorders and what's going on with them. What are they and how can we deal with them? This is the first time that we've all met in person with a microphone in front of our faces. It's also, we also um, were online virtually last week where we learned a lot about functional disorders. There's a lot to take in. So we thought we'd use this first episode to talk about some of the biggest questions that we had. Yeah, and we were hoping to take you along the journey of us understanding what is functional disorders and what are functional disorders and so many other questions that we will talk about throughout this series of podcasts. So we decided upon the name of our podcast quite quickly, didn't we? We decided Not So Invisible. Yeah, and the reason for this is because we think that Not So Invisible shows how many different levels there are to the problem, or to the challenge, rather. And one of the first challenges is the fact that it is really so common, and more common than people realize. So you probably have a friend or relative, or maybe you yourself have symptoms that you don't understand, um, and we just don't really talk about it too much. And in fact, one study showed that unexplained symptoms feature in about one-third of a, of a GP or a family physician's consultations. So this really does take up, you know, is really present. And, for, and while for some people the symptoms go away, for a lot of people these symptoms continue and continue, and they can really impair their lives. And it's also worth thinking about the fact that they are so common, and yet the general public don't know much about them at least not to the same way that they know about many common chronic diseases like diabetes or heart disease. And also the title, Not So Invisible, implies that the, that the issue is hidden. But the thing that is hidden is like, it's actually the symptoms that are somehow hidden in, in, in people who suffer from these conditions. So like the phrase, you can never know what someone is going through applies really well here because you you really don't know what these people are going through what the pain they're having because the, they they don't surface these symptoms don't surface and you don't really see them they're not visible to you that's why they are sort of hidden and while they might not be visible the costs of them can be really high for people um, there's a personal cost to it the things you might not be able to do the things you might not be able to go to seeing family and friends um, and with that comes wider health and economic costs as well. You might not be able to work. Um, uh, there are also really large health costs associated with it. Um, one Dutch study showed that actually um, these symptoms were the second highest cost in the country, so only behind dementia, so that's higher than cardiovascular diseases, higher than cancers. Um, so the costs are really high. And this actually might link us to why we have so so little research happening. One of the other issues that we talked about is the fact that we do not have enough research happening in this. It's not so visible in terms of the academic and clinical world. And it might just be because we do not realize how, how much of an impact it is. To me, hearing about this study about the cost in the Dutch health system was quite new to me, and I was quite surprised. Yeah, for an issue that's this... Uh, severe to be the second uh, costly um, medical issue in, in, in a country, it, you would think more research would be done um, about it, but that's not the case. 
Yeah, and as well as the economic cost of it, we talked about the social ones too. We know there's a lot of stigma behind um, in these conditions, um, which essentially try to reduce people to single things that people might be difficult, that might take up a lot of your time as a health professional, that people must have a mental disorder or personality problem. Of course, these are misconceptions. Sometimes they might occur, sure. But that could be the case with any symptom or any disorder. Um, yeah, people are so much more than the condition that they have. And that's something we're hoping to challenge throughout, the, throughout this podcast, throughout our whole project. And that also links us back to the research. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand a bit more about what's going on um, around the stigma around in, in functional disorders, about the treatment that we can provide so that we can provide a more holistic and effective treatment package. And we are also thinking about making this information available to the general public, partly through the podcast, but also by supporting open science and by being open scientists, registering our projects early, publishing open access so that anyone can access rather than being stuck behind the paywalls. The nice thing about this podcast also is that we are young scientists trying to um, learn about this, uh, these conditions and these issues and provide answers. And uh, you're coming on along with us on this journey, trying to um, know more about it. But at the same time, um, we will share everything. And if you would like to know more, uh, there will be links on the website uh, for everything we talked about. Nice. So what have, for this first section, what's our takeaway? Why is it not so invisible? I think the fact that in spite of it being so common and in spite of the fact that there are so many challenges around it and such high healthcare costs and personal costs and economic costs, that the research is still not there and that's something we need to change. So a question we had between ourselves was... Uh, between all the different terms used, disorders, symptoms, syndromes, why are there so many words involved and, and what are the best words that we can use? So, yeah, we've kind of reached a consensus that the term to use is functional disorders. And this is to say that there's maybe we haven't found the structural issue. And the way to think about this is software versus hardware. So if, something's, if you can't find what's wrong with the hardware, then there's something must be wrong with the software. And I guess that's kind of a good way of thinking about functional disorders. We've not found the issue in the, in the hardware, the structure, and therefore there must be something wrong with the software. The fact is that something is wrong, and therefore this is a disorder we need to deal with. Yeah, it's a very popular uh, metaphor in the medical community, the hardware versus software. But yeah, like in, in simpler terms, like there is no structural abnormality. Uh, I mean, by structural, I mean that there is something broken that you can physically see but there is a function in the body that is disturbed. That's what we mean. Yeah, and it's real. And I guess what it does is move away from some of the terms that we've previously used um, that aren't so helpful. Um, and we found our own understanding of that as, as, as progressed. If we go back to the old names that have been used, we historically, the, the name hysteria that was given to... Uh, usually women who had multiple symptoms that doctors couldn't explain at that moment and thank god we moved from that and thank god medicine had progressed it's hard to imagine a doctor giving a, a treatment plan of marriage now I know it's insane 
or a hysterectomy. It's very interesting. <laughs> well, the other term that we, you know, sometimes still hear, unfortunately, is medically unexplained symptoms. And, you know, the, the, the downside of this is that we're talking about diagnosis of exclusion, where, you know, we've looked and looked and looked, we've not found anything, then it's medically unexplained. And the downside of that is that we're, we're, we're making it a very negative connotation and not thinking of kind of like the left behind. Whereas if we think about it in a different way, and in fact, this is how we now diagnose functional disorders, is in a positive way, in the sense of it's a diagnosis of inclusion now. So we're looking at the patient's symptoms and we're charting them and we're saying, okay, so this is, you know, we can assign the diagnosis of fibromyalgia or um, irritable bowel syndrome. But those are pretty established labels already, right? People, there's some awareness already of those terms um, those clusters of, sim- of symptoms as syndromes. Yeah, and that's in a way, you know, that's great that we have that. And there's increasing awareness about that. And that, that's also dealing with the stigma around them. Um, but also the term functional disorders allow, allows us to explore other syndromes which may not yet have a name. Um, you know, potentially even looking at specific functional neurological disorders, um, including functional, functional seizures or you know, functional blindness or functional paralysis, which still happen, are not very common, but they still very much happen. And so it's also something we need to consider there. I guess behind this is, it underlines the importance of having a label of having something to work with, right? Yeah, I was going to say like how, how important it is to have a label. Like we were discussing earlier before we started recording, the importance of labels and 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 having a diagno- a, diag- a diagnosis really that a person can share with his coworkers or with his family that can explain the symptoms that he's having or she because for some people the journey to get to that diagnosis can be quite a long one you're seeing multiple people maybe you're taking time off work because you need it there's a lot that's unknown or uncertain in your life so having a term that you can work with and begin to have an explanation for can be quite powerful. Mm-hmm. I think it's also worth making a note here that, you know, the, we know that people with functional disorders have higher rates of anxiety and depression, even higher than people with other chronic illnesses, which seems a bit counterintuitive, but it also makes sense, especially because for some of these people, although you can ask chicken or egg which one came first, um, the, one of the possible explanations for this could be that if someone's got a functional disorder, they don't know why, why this is happening, there's lots of uncertainty, keep looking for an answer, that can result in anxiety and depression as well. And so there is that positive side of having a diagnostic label means that they're likely to at least assist in dealing with the anxiety and depression a bit better. It also yeah. opens up the pathway to other treatment options. For me as a doctor, having a diagnosis for a patient means that I can refer them on to the right people earlier. During the week that we did uh, training, we had an assignment to read books. And, uh, and one of the quotes from a book I, uh, I was assigned to read was the author was describing how he was feeling, um, he wasn't feeling relieved after not receiving a diagnosis. He was actually feeling worse. So, it, yeah, it sort of illustrates that. Yeah. So what what's our takeaway message here? That, thank God, we don't use the old names anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're m- moving past some of the older terms that don't have a place anymore. Um, and 
it's it's still it's still quite a broad term. It's an inclusive term, functional disorders, right? And it's also a positive diagnosis, one that allows us to explore treatment options for a very real for rare, very real disorders for very real syndrome. So for the third section, we wanted to ask, you know, what's next? Where do we go from here? It's worth saying a bit again about what brings us all here today. Um, we're all part of a Marie Curie Innovative Training Network. That's a, a funded program that brings together 15 different PhD candidates. Um, there's universities involved and um, non-academic placements involved across Europe. And we're all from different backgrounds, from at least 10 different countries. I'm from a qualitative background myself. And my background's in family medicine as a doctor. And I'm also a doctor, but I have a background of qualitative uh, skills. Yeah. Research skills. Multiple hats. Um, we also have psychologists, psychiatrists, um, epidemiologists. Yeah. And I think what that does is, is highlight how complex this issue is and the need to come from different angles, really. And so this etude project, as we're calling it, is divided into four work packages. Mechanisms, diagnosis, treatment and stigma. So we're going to talk you through a bit about each of those areas. And starting with mechanisms, the question really is, you know, what do we know about these mechanisms, about the mechanisms relating to functional disorders? And where are the major gaps in our knowledge? And so some of the questions that are being asked are around symptom perception. So what's going on in the signaling in our, in our bodies, and especially in the, in the bodies of people who do have unexplained symptoms and functional disorders, and how does that link to the functional disorders themselves? We're also looking at developmental issues. So one of the researchers is looking at children and how, how factors in childhood can result in functional disorders later in life. And one of the projects is even looking at dysfunctional breathing. So is there, is there a dysfunction in a person's breathing? Do we find a difference between one group and another? Yeah, to me, they all, if, you are, if you're interested in science, to me, this is what I'm imagining them like in the science lab, trying conducting experiments. So if you're really interested in finding out what they come up with, uh, stay tuned for that episode. It's going to be interesting. As the second work package is going to be about diagnosis. So um, um, it's uh, three of us. We're going to do um, uh, multiple studies and... Um, it's going to look at what, like, what is the current framework of diagnosis? What is known about the diagnosis of functional disorders? Who's receiving the diagnosis? Who's giving the diagnosis? And what has changed for patients after receiving this diagnosis uh, in terms of the label or in terms of quality of life? Um, so we will look at the diagnosis of functional disorders through data um, of patients who received this diagnosis uh, throughout the somatic, primary, and mental health care data. Um, so if you want to find out more about that, it's going to be the third episode. So after that, then we're looking at treatment. So what are the treatment categories available? What works? What doesn't work? And how are we providing this? Um, how can we reach out to patients and provide them with the best care we can? And so here we're looking at a few different questions. One is... Um, gathering the evidence of treatment that's available, what works, what doesn't work. And that's someone's doing by doing a meta-analysis of all the literature available that they can find. Another one is looking at e-health. What sort of e-health interventions can work, can be acceptable to patients and to healthcare providers. And I'm looking at collaborative care networks. So how can we use 
a multidisciplinary approach. How can we bring together the different professions to provide the good care to the to patients, but also for our own learning as professionals? And here I think it's important to think about a few aspects that's coming out in a lot of the projects throughout that are important to me as well in my project. One of them is patient involvement. There's no point in only talking to professionals. We also need to talk about talk to people who are suffering from these disorders. And we need to remember to be holistic, to think about all the different aspects of life, the, the biological, psychological, and so to avoid being reductionist, to avoid bringing it down to just yeah. one issue. And the fourth work package is about stigma. We've talked a bit about that already. It continues um, to be a problem. It's not just a historical issue, sadly. Um, and we know that people face stigma about not just the legitimacy of the illness, but also how serious that they're suffering. Um, so in our research about stigma, we're aiming to explore um, the types of stigma that people face and also anti-stigma, identify ways to reduce it. So some of the questions we're asking are, what are the attitudes of different healthcare professionals? Um, what are the expectations of patients um, as they receive a diagnosis or actually as they go in a consultation with a healthcare professional? Um, so this will involve interviews with patients who've just received a diagnosis um, and surveys to understand the experiences that people have accessing proper care. Um, we'll also measure how prevalent these, how prevalent attitudes are in healthcare professionals and also understand the challenges that professionals face as well. And we'll look at the language people use in consultations and try and develop um, patient-centered explanations that, that work for everyone. Um, so it's not just a negative question, really. We're trying to understand the good care that goes on as well. There's always good examples. And how is that possible? Um, so hopefully we can share some of those as well. Okay, so we're at the end of the episode. Any final thoughts? Well, I guess the first thing, we're all from different backgrounds, um, which I think is a really good thing and hopefully brings some consistency um, across the research that we do. Yep, we're all on a journey together. Let's see what we can learn. Let's hope you joined us for along the ride. It is worth mentioning that just as this program is uh, basically assembled from 15 PhD students across Europe, we're also recording these episodes across Europe. So we will have training in different cities in Europe and in each city we'll we will record a an episode. So this one, we have recorded it in the Netherlands, in Groningen. I hope that I pronounced that right. And uh, yeah, so join us and let's make functional disorders not so invisible. <laughs> <laughs>